Today's episode features the people behind a new film that tells the story of the Local Flower Collective, a farmer-to-florist hub that connects the greater Toronto marketplace with their growers. One of the things that people want when they're buying locally and they're buying sustainably, I think, is a renewed sense of connection with the sources of the food or the sources of their flower and the people behind the products that they're consuming. In our experience, the vast bulk of people organizing these initiatives, organizing the marketplaces, organizing the supply chains, making the connections, building the community are women. There were so many talented local farmers who would post their stuff on Instagram and we'd see other floral friends use their product and we were just like, oh my God, this stuff is so beautiful. Definitely our florist members are really excited about the local flowers and and the, the unique quality and the unique varieties that we can get. I think when it comes to the purchaser who buy from the florist or get the wedding flowers is they also do see how unique that product is. When you tell anybody it's local, they're, they just say, oh my God, that's great. That's so good to hear. And that what I want it to be is like something people strive for. Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers podcast with Deborah Prinzing. This is episode 641. This is the weekly podcast about slow flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This show is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free online directory to more than 750 florist shops and studios who design with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor, Farm Girl Flowers. Farm Girl Flowers delivers iconic burlap wrap bouquets and lush, abundant arrangements to customers across the U.S., supporting U.S. flower farms by purchasing more than $10 million of U.S.-grown fresh and seasonal flowers and foliage annually. Discover more at farmgrowflowers.com. And thank you to the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliage, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top quality products and services to the local floral industry. Visit them at swgmc.coop. If you're a regular listener, you've heard the announcements about our first ever International Slow Flowers Summit heading to Banff, Alberta, Canada in June 2024. Not only are we super excited about bringing our 7th Annual Slow Flowers Summit to Canada, we're also proud to announce that all of our speakers are Canadian-based Slow Flowers members, designers, and flower farmers, and Canadian sustainability experts. One of our speakers is longtime Slow Flowers member Jamie Reeves, a Toronto-based floral designer who five years ago co-founded the Local Flower Collective. A wedding and event florist, Jamie also owns Leaf & Bloom, a design studio that specializes in weddings and events. At the time of the founding of the Local Flower Collective, she partnered with her studio mate, Carrie Fisher of Roadside Florist. Carrie's no longer involved with the project, but so many others are. 
Today you'll meet Jamie and enjoy a preview of a panel presentation that she'll be part of at the Slow Flowers Summit. The panel will cover collective and cooperative flower selling and features Jamie along with Lorna Jackson and Carrie Scott of Island Flower Growers in Victoria, B.C., past guests of this podcast. A few weeks ago, I accelerated my plans to bring on Jamie as a Slow Flowers podcast guest when Open Food Network Canada reached out to share news of their documentary series featuring a film about the local flower collective. I wanted to learn more about OFN's new series, Women Leading Change, and its first film in the series, which focuses on the local flower collective. Women Leading Change includes video profiles celebrating the role that women entrepreneurs and grassroots organizers are playing in building sustainable food and farming systems in communities across Canada. From rural farmers markets to urban buying clubs and co-ops, the series explores how digital technologies are supporting the formation of regional distribution hubs that help farmers and consumers connect in new ways. Funding for this project was provided by Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada through the Agri-Communication Program. The first episode of Women Leading Change focuses on the Local Flower Collective, a specialty cut flower hub that supports ecological flower growers and high-end floral designers in a thriving short-chain distribution network. The film introduces the collective and six of its flower farms. So let's jump right in and hear all about it. We'll first meet David Thomas, Executive Director of Open Food Network Canada, a nonprofit and social purpose organization dedicated to food and farming system change. We'll also hear from filmmaker Craig Connolly of Celebrate, who produced the video series, and then we'll go on and watch the five-minute film. And by the way, if you're a podcast listener, you will hear the film audio. The second half of this show is devoted to my conversation with Jamie Reeves. I know you'll love this episode as much as I do. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Show with Deborah Prinzing, and we've got a fabulous show today. I'm so excited. All my guests are coming to us from Canada, and we're going to be talking about the, the food and flower scene and storytelling, and we're going to wrap up with one of our members, Jamie Reeves of the Local Flower Collective, So, and you're going to get to see a really fun video. So uh, first of all, I want to thank Craig Connolly and David Thomas for joining us. Um, David, you are here as the president of the Open Food Network, and you're kind of the the um, the glue that everybody is sticking everyone together here. So, could you talk about what OFN is and how you work with farmers um, well, and what your scope is? Yeah, thanks very much for having us, Deborah. This is a really uh, exciting opportunity for us. Um, in terms of Open Food Network, so we're a nonprofit. Um, we're a little unusual in that we are. An, we also develop, but we develop technology. So we develop an op in open source. Um, we've got a range of projects on the go, but the thing that we're most known for is the Open Food Network platform, which is an e-commerce and so supply chain platform that's kind of built for agri-food and also obviously flour, uh, like that su short supply chain purposes. So we developed this software with allowing supply chain coordinators and marketplace coordinators to aggregate products from a bunch of local farms uh, and make them available to consumers and buyers in, the, in their neighborhoods. Mm. So really, you're doing the work for the farmer because they want to be growing and not behind a computer screen all day, right? That's definitely the goal. Uh, and so alongside the tech development, um, we so there's the platform that we're known for. We are starting to do a little bit more work in the area of interoperability. This is kind of like an emerging 
need as more and more tools enter the marketplace. And there's a kind of bit of fragmentation going on. So we're working on this uh, common digital language to allow for different uh, agri-food uh, and food and farming tools to communicate with each other. And alongside that kind of tech development stuff, I think one of the things that makes us pretty unique as an organization is that we do do quite a bit of like grassroots community programming as well. So that'll be focused on offering training, resources, strategic planning services, even proposal development and that kind of thing that can help people kind of integrate our technologies into the projects that they're running and make the best possible use of them. Wow. So the the sales platform is the one that is the most kind of translatable that people who are used to buying anything online Absolutely. Or selling it online, that's that's solving a big pain point for farmers and, and their consumers. Sure. And like folks are using it both um, at the kit. It has that kind of typical e-commerce interface where you see all the, the products displayed. You can add them to your basket and you can check out. So we provide that for consumers. But then as in the case with the, the local flower collective, there, there's also scenarios where it's more of a business to business focus. So you have farms selling, yes, direct to consumer, but then also um we like, people are using the platform to um, support business to business use cases mm-hmm. for wholesale sales. That exactly. sort of thing. Yeah. Um, can you just give an example of what this other technology you hinted at? Because I am so behind on catching up with you. <laughs> is it like yeah. an app or something? Essentially, it's kind of like what we've been building is the um, the kind of background um, standards and digital assets. But essentially, what it's going to result in is the delivery of kind of like if you if you're involved in like um, online marketing at all. It's a product called Hootsuite, which allows you to kind of schedule posts across multiple different e-commerce channels without having to log into every one of them. So this is that kind of a tool. It'll integrate with a variety of different e-commerce and even like farm management platforms and allow you to manage inventory and sales from one place. Because it's becoming quite typical that folks have more than one online sales channel. And then this leads to a bit of a kind of headache in terms of just the data and admin overhead of like um, transferring the inventory back and forth across tools and having to manage it manually. So our hope is that we to develop tools that kind of lower the bar to entry and make things as simple as possible for people. Oh, I love it. Now, you're based in Toronto, that's correct? Actually, we're based in St. Agatha, so just outside of Toronto, okay. um, in a rural community. We were founded by um, actually one of the, the partners in the local flower collective, Teresa Shomalas. She's um, a specialty cut flower farmer and also a food systems researcher. She founded OFN Canada, I think it's back in 2017, and she's still very much involved in the project. Uh, so she, she runs some initiatives and different programming. But um, in recent years, kind of, I took on uh, the directorship and sort of development of proposals. And oh, posture. wow. I am so happy to hear that. Oh, you'll have to tell me more about her, Jamie. Um, I was here thinking, like, you know, flowers are always late to the table. These systems are designed for food agriculture and the culinary world and the, you know, the food farming world, and flowers finally get to the program. But in this case, uh, the innovation came from a flower farmer. So that's, if I'm hearing you right, that's cool. Um, David, you talked about community and grassroots, and I'm just wondering, we're going to hear to talk about this Women Leading Change video series that you collaborated uh, with Craig Connolly on. Is that is is that sort of what inspired this? And talk a little bit about this video series, and we'll watch the, uh, the five-minute uh, beautiful five-minute film that that you all produced. Yeah, sure. So I think our goal there really was um, like one of the things that people want when they're buying locally and they're buying sustainably, I think, is a renewed sense of connection with yeah. the sources of the food or the sources of their flour and the people behind the products that they're consuming. And so 
often in local food or local farming circles, folks are, are generating those connections by attending things in, in person. So it could be by a farm, farmer's market or farm gate sales, that kind of thing. In our scenario, obviously, there's lots of people are procuring their products digitally online. So there's a tension there. And it was our thought that, well, um, with the rise of kind of like, uh, you know, with TikTok and the, and the impact that that's had in terms of like really pushing video storytelling to the forefront of social media, we thought, well, here's an opportunity uh, to run a project where we kind of leverage this, new, like something that's really kind of a growth area for social media, which allows for a much more intimate uh, style of storytelling and sort of blogs or pulp, like sort of graphic design based posts. It's something that can really allow you to get up uh, quite close uh, to the work that people are doing, actually, then, you know, Craig's done amazing work with that. I think the, the video is really, the videos are really intimate. They're really, um, it gives a really wonderful sense of connection and community. And then you also have, you know, these nice kind of technological bells and whistles like the drone flyovers that allow you to get this really kind of comprehensive picture of the different farms involved in the, in the project. So in all of these ways, we thought, well, hit like um, here's an opportunity to kind of use digital technologies, which can sometimes in the contemporary environment be something that, that leads to division. Uh, here's an opportunity to use them in a way that allows for us kind of storytelling that builds community and builds intimacy in, in the way that we think people want it. Wow. And why did you choose or how, what's behind calling it the series Women Leading Change? Is it just that there's so many women uh, entrepreneurs and solopreneurs in the agriculture world? I think fundamentally, yeah, when we look at the kind of, because, you know, most of the projects that we're working with, are they're, they're hyper-local. It really is short supply chains. It's predominantly small-scale, maybe some medium-scale farms as well. And in our experience, the vast bulk of people organizing these initiatives, organizing the marketplaces, organizing the supply chains, making the connections, building the community are women. So this kind of um, this kind of theme just like suggested itself just by the nature of the, of the people that we work with. And um, you know, one of we this I should mention too that this project was funded by um, AAFC, uh, the federal government in Canada. And they were looking for projects that kind of uh, showcase um, Canadian agriculture in a and sustainable agriculture in a favorable light. And we thought, well, you know, with these folks, um, like folks like Jamie and the local flower collective and some of these other women uh, across Canada, um, the, we can think of a better example, really, of, of projects that are showcasing mm. um, Canadian agriculture in the best light. Mm, that's great. So you partnered with Craig Connolly, and Craig, I'm going to bring you on now. You own Celebrate, which is an agency outside of Ottawa. Hi, Craig. Hi. Uh, before we started recording, you were telling me your background is both in like big agency marketing and documentary filmmaking. So I guess this is kind of a culmination of that those skill sets, yeah. right? Yeah, it's a mix of what, what I would call branded documentary. And, uh, you know, because I come from a documentary background, uh, I wanted and also, you know, an advertising background, blending those two things together, I think makes a very compelling and engaging way to tell, you know, stories, uh, important stories. Yeah. Well, we're going to look at the video in a minute, but uh, I just am so fascinated with the process because in the in the case of the film about the local flower collective, you interviewed so many people and you visited so many farms. So it's it's mind blowing to look at a five minute video and but realize there were weeks or if not months of filming behind it. Like what how did you go about pulling the putting this story together? Yeah. So we basically spent about a week uh, in the field per hub. And so per hub, then we had seven on average, seven supplying uh, producers. So the goal was to create a longer piece on the hub and then also farm tour videos uh, for each of the supplying uh, 
uh, farms. Wow. So that it's a very holistic approach to the storytelling and everybody would benefit from, in a marketing way from yeah. the project. I love it. It is so cinematic. And David mentioned the the technology like drone photography. I mean, that is definitely uh, the first thing you see when, when you look at the video about the local flower collective. Um, your, your mention of hubs make me just curious, like how many films did you in the series have you produced? And what types of farming represents is represented? David, you can jump in too on this because I'm sure there's a, a sort of a, a series that it's continuing on if you get more funding. Yeah, David, did you want to go ahead? Yeah, sure. We've got like, so we have like five different kind of, when we say hubs, we're really looking at, it could be anything from like a, a wholesaler to, um, there's one of the projects is, is a network, it's like three different um, farmers markets in Huron County who are using the same like kind of digital uh, marketplace. Then we also have um, uh, a co-op in Montreal, it's an aggregating product uh, produce from like, like the, the region. Um, we have a like a co-selling project out in BC, and then we have more of a kind of um, urban agriculture slash food security project that's, that's actually in the St. Jamestown region of, mm. um, of Toronto. So yeah, there's those five projects. We'll be rolling them out like roughly on a kind of like things like two to three week cadence. We're actually today the second uh, hub video is launching. Um, so this is this will be focused on the Montreal hub cause. And then there will be over the next few days, over the next week or so, we'll be, we'll be kind of trickling out the farm videos as well. Got and then it. we're going to take a break because of the holidays. Um, and then we'll be resuming in January and running out the rest of the projects into like uh, mid-February. Wow, that's so great. And so people can view these on OFN's website. Yeah, you can find us uh, either at our website, so Open Food Network Canada, uh, .ca, or I think maybe one of the best places to kind of see, see stuff organically is at Instagram. And so you can find us at, at OFN Canada. And um, that's like sort of really that's become the primary kind of platform uh, that we've been like sort of um, releasing the videos through and getting the most engagement. Wow. So okay. And we'll share all those links in our show notes at slowflowerspodcast.com because I, I just think it's fascinating. And the fact that you are serving uh hubs across Canada, it, it it's obviously it makes sense that you have geographic, different examples geographically across the country. Uh, so travel, you did a lot of travel then, Craig. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Three provinces, <laughs> 20, on, like probably 30 farms uh, wow. approximately. And, but it was an incredible adventure. I learned so much about flowers and produce Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and cattle and, and just the processes. But yeah, the people were lovely. Like I had the best summer ever. It was oh. uh, two, three months of travel. And yeah, loved, I love it. Loved it. Yeah. So when you visited all the flower farms, did you just like start rolling and let people talk? I mean, you probably had a few prompting questions, but yeah. how did you capture that story? Yeah, so when I was at the age in the agency world, we were always chasing after really big cameras. So we had the big $60,000 red cameras and, you know, a lot of the clientele, um, as far as social media goes and social content, um, they can't afford like huge, huge price tags on video production. And so I was always thinking, well, how can I disrupt this and how can I do something different in the space? And I felt like cell phones were close to being where they needed to be for quality. Uh, and then with the iPhone 14 Pro Max, when that came out, um, I decided, okay, well, I'm going to try to go at this from a cell phone-based videography perspective. And so, what? This was filmed on a cell phone? Yeah, the whole thing was a oh cell phone. Oh, my gosh. That's so, amazing. 
Yeah. So you pair that with some accessories to kind of up the production value, but, but it allows you to be so intimate. And I think that comes across. It also allows you to move at a pace that you couldn't with a, a large crew. So wow. I think there's a definitely opportunity for cell phone based. Your whole studio is in your back pocket. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's watch this video. Um, we tried to set it up before we re started recording, and basically, all of our little thumbnails folks will cover the credits and the the captions. So I'm gonna. Uh, disappear all of us and we're going to show the video and then come back and talk to Jamie Reeves. So thank you all so much. This has just been amazing. And let's go ahead and preview this beautiful video. I want to be around plants and flowers and I just love the environment. I love the planet. I think it's beautiful and it's on fire now, which is, um, Awful. So yeah, anything we can do to keep um, emissions down and keep things local is really important to me. We specialize in local cut flowers. May to October is our season, and it's um, it's pretty steady for the whole the whole go. So OFN hosts our wholesale shop. Growers upload their availability, their um, sort of catalog for the season. And that's where the buyers log in to shop for the product when they pick it up. It's not a traditional wholesaler where you don't have like a sales rep who you email or call and say, I'm looking for these things. What we do is we actually create a connection between the growers and the buyers. So if the florists are looking for anything specific, they will Slack or email the grower and just say, I'm looking for this cut flower on this month or week. Can you do something for me? And then, so I think the difference is there's much more of a connection between the buyer and the grower. Basically my job is spreadsheets, like 50% of the time. And when a grower gets an order from a buyer, they have something that's called a pack list and I help like collect and distribute that pack list to our growers after those orders come in. And I liaison between about 30 um, small scale growers in Southern Ontario and 90 florists in the kind of surrounding GTA. There's a few growers who are two hours is probably the max of distance outside of Toronto. So there's like, um, Gray County, there's like Peterborough, that area. They come from all over. I'm Teresa. This is actually my family home. I grew up here as a child. I think of flower farming like a, like a playground. You might be on one of those roundabouts, one of those merry-go-round things, right? I scaled up and got on the fast one. And the fast one is where you're earning your living selling flowers wholesale, I say, and a mix of wholesale and retail likely, and probably doing some weddings too. So Heirloom Heather was born out of the need to grow flowers sustainably. So I find that there is a huge gap in the market or availability to local florists for sustainable cut flowers. I love to grow flowers that are chemical free. I also love like uh, building up the soil and making an ecosystem out of my plots. And yeah, I focus on full scale weddings, a la carte weddings and farmer's markets, and I also sell to florists via the local flower collective. And this is what will go to the florist. My name's Bernadette. Um, I love working here because you get to see local fresh flowers every week. All the variety, all the colors. You get to see how creative minds work with this beautiful 
product that we have. Some of it's just prep, just making sure those flowers are safe and they're gonna travel well. Gauging the space and the cooler to make sure that everything stays fresh because a lot of these florists aren't gonna use the product till the weekend. So, you know, just, yeah, taking care and keeping it fresh. We support uh, mainly sustainable local fair trade farms. Uh, so we order flowers from the local collective to support like Ontario farms and micro farms. They connect us to the micro farms, which are like the little guys. And to be honest with you, local flowers are better than import. <laughs> Why is that? Uh, just, I guess the lifespan of them getting uh, shipped here is not as long, which means they're out of water for a longer period of time versus here they're cut freshly, put in water and delivered with water. <laughs> we are doing a total of six events. Weddings, we have a Blue Jays contract and uh, a few other small a la carte. You've been doing, like, been around it your whole life and if you're still in it, I think that's just because you feel very deeply connected to it. I can't imagine not doing something with something living or growing in, in whatever type of capacity. So I've always been attracted to plants and flowers and gardening for that reason because I grew up with it. But just I, I also think the local part of it is because I it's just about the environment for me. I want to keep the planet and the world as healthy and happy as possible. And the more local flowers that are used or on the market helps in any way to kind of curb emissions of things being flown around. That was amazing, Jamie. Yeah. You must just be so proud of what you've accomplished with your group. Yeah, yeah, it was great to finally see it all put together because um, yeah, Craig came in and filmed us and we didn't get to see um, the rest of the, the farm tours. Um, so it was um, it was beautiful to see it all finally come together. Mm, wow. Well, I've got so many questions for you. First of all, I'm thrilled that you're going to be part of the, the panel at the Slow Flowers Summit at Banff uh, in June on co-ops and collectives and basically collective flower selling, um, along with the two people from Island Flower Growers cooperative in British Columbia. So we're going to co cover kind of both sides of the of the, of the country, mm -hmm. of the continent. Um, and I'm just wondering, first of all, before we talk about that, you said that you, in the, in the video, and also you say it on your uh, floral design website, um, that you um, grew up in a family plant business. So could talk a little bit about your path to flowers. Yeah, so my um, family on my dad's side, side uh, owned a uh, garden center for a few generations. Um, so, so that's what I grew up doing. Like, you know, everyone in the family sort of worked at the farm, and whenever there was uh, like a busy season, um, you know, dad would take me to work, and I would, you know, run around in the houseplant section, and I'm sure. <laughs> Father, everyone when I was a little kid just driving everyone nuts but um that's that's what I grew up doing and that's what I grew up being around and as I got older I'd work there on the weekends and on long uh long weekends I would help with the busy season until I eventually just started working there full time um and so I've I've been in it a whole life essentially um and it's it's just a deep part of of my family and my history and I I'm connected to it, obviously, for that reason, but I also just 
do love it. So, so there's that as well, <laughs> that it's, it was, a. a introduced to it through just my family, but I'm still in it because I just love it. Uh, so it was in um, in Woodbridge, so Vaughan, Ontario. It's about like 30 minutes north of Toronto, so very um, close to Toronto. Oh, okay. So then how? what led to your first floral venture, our first floral design venture, I guess, that, that you own called um, Leaf and Bloom? Because that is your design studio, really where you're doing weddings and events, right? Yes. Um, what led to it? Oh, that's a good idea. That's good. <laughs> or did you like, did you work, work for other flor- florists before I you did. started your own? Okay. I did. So I, I, um, I worked for, um, after I worked with my family, um, in the floral department, which is kind of where I, I learned, um, most of what I know just in terms of making bouquets and corsages and boutonnieres and how to treat flowers and everything like that. Um, I worked for another florist in Toronto for, I think I'm terrible with years and times, but I think it was three years. Um, and, um, and then after that point, I, uh, a opportunity arose where someone was selling a flower business. Um, and my, my family told me, you know, this could be something you want to do. And, and, um, so I thought, you know, why not? I have the experience and the knowledge. So, um, yeah, I, I purchased an existing uh, retail flower shop on the Danforth, and I owned that for about for four years. Um, and wow. then decided that yeah, and um, realized slash decided that retail was not for me. So I just went into like you basically worked in retail your whole life, really. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then um, from that, I moved into strictly just doing uh, like studio based weddings and events mm-hmm, from there. Mm-hmm. And have been doing that ever since. Wow. And some at some point, you co-founded The Collective. I know it was pre-COVID because yes. <laughs> it feels like a way long time ago. But you were one of the first that I'm aware of in Canada and also one of the first in North America who kind of uh, created a flower hub for local flowers, um, and especially in a really unique urban environment. So I can't remember exactly when you formed that. Uh, five years ago, we had our five-year uh, anniversary party this November. So it's yay! <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, someone had to do the math on it because, like I said, I'm bad with years. But uh, yeah, so five years ago, um, th- and this was, I-, I think, right after I got out of retail and went into um, uh, just studio uh, wedding and event work. Um, and I was sharing a studio with Carrie, who's also the co-founder. Um, I was sharing a studio with her. And um, at that time, there was um, there were so many talented local farmers who would post their stuff on Instagram. And we'd see other floral friends use their, use their product. And we were just like, oh, my God, this stuff is so beautiful. And how can we get our hands on it? Basically, yeah. And um, yeah, and so uh, just individually, you reach out to the farmers and say, here's where I'm located. And, and you, you, you develop a relationship with them. And after um, talking to other florists in the area and after talking to the growers, just realizing how much time they spent, because what they used to do was they would, um, you know, send out their, their Google spreadsheets of what they had available that week. And then they would drive to all the individual florists in Toronto or in the GTA, which was just, it would take all day. Like I can't even. Yeah. Um, oh, so, I mean, the traffic in Toronto is just like oh, being in Manhattan or something. It's crazy. Oh, it's awful. It's so yeah. Awful. I've driven in Toronto before. I, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not fun. Yeah. 
no. And it just gets worse. But so, so these farmers who are spending, who, who need to spend most of their time in the fields, were spending so much time just driving around, um, to the florists. And at the same time, the florists were kind of, you know, had to, were on a certain route and they had to wait um, all day and sometimes later into the afternoon and evening to get their product. Um, mm, mm. Obviously, understandably. So, right. Cause you're I've just had, on the route and you might be the last stop. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um, just after a little bit of talking to the floors and the growers and just being like, there's gotta be a better way. Um, and a few people in our, in our floral community, like floral designer community were like, we've got to, we have to get like a, a, a place where everybody can just drop things off. Um, yeah. And, and that was kind of it. There was a handful, I think there was maybe 10 people in the in, uh, individual kind of meeting. And then from there on, we just sent out emails to our, to the florists, our florist friends and florists who buy from the growers and just say, would you be interested in something like this? And it was like kind of a unanimous, like, duh, let's, yeah. let's do, let's do this. Like a real, a kind of real organic conversation rather than a business plan and, you know, funding. And I mean, you just grassrooted this, right? Yes, there was no, <laughs> there was no, there was no business plan, no plan other than knowing that something better could, could, could be done with, with what, what we had in Toronto. Well, on the video, we see a building. It's kind of like the back of, of a freestanding brick building where people are entering. Is that the back of the, uh, your studio for Leaf and Bloom? That's the whole studio. So oh my it, gosh. Yeah, we moved in there. I moved in there, I guess in 20, oh my God, years again, pre-COVID 2021 or 2022, no, 2021. Um, it was an old, um, mechanic shop uh mm -hmm. and our landlord had just taken it over i think a year or two before so he was converting all the units into not mechanic something <laughs> <Shop>. cleaner <laughs> yes, exactly. um yeah and and what i knew i needed for the new location was um a place large enough to sort everything um it had to be ground level because you can't be bringing buckets up and down stairs or up and down elevators um there had to be parking and driving which in toronto is very, very hard to come by. So to so like off, off street access for our vehicle. Yeah, exactly. So luckily this place is uh, close to just a little bit North of the stockyards in Toronto's uh, like Northwest end. Um, and it's close to the highways. So it's easy ish for most people to get to when they're coming to or from other suppliers and, and their farms. Um, and yeah, kind of just ticked all the boxes, ground level parking still in Toronto accessible to people, but yeah, that is my whole studio and it just gets, um, taken over on, on Tuesdays and Wednesdays for, for the collective. Well, I guess that works well. I mean, in a way for kind of a, your hybrid personal model, you're probably designing weddings and events later in the week, Wednesday through Saturday, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, sometimes, uh, especially during like COVID or the year after COVID or 2021, I should say, um, when people were having weddings on like Thursdays and Fridays, that was a bit challenging because mm, I couldn't, right. the studio was just a bit chaotic at that time. But, um, yeah, absolutely. For the most part, um, collective stuff is finished Wednesday afternoon. So you have Thursday, Friday, Saturday to do, yeah. um, all your design work for, for weddings. What's the square footage of the, of that whole space? 1100 square feet. Okay. And you've got, obviously got a cooler. Yeah. Yeah. It's a wow. 10 by 10 cooler. 
Are you still sharing the space with, with your co-founder or I think you said that she was doing something else now. Yes. She left the collective, I think right after COVID, um, still obviously a strong supporter and so grateful for her, like because of her, it just so happened that when I sold my, my retail business or portion business, she was going on maternity leave. So she had an empty studio. So I rented the studio from her and then we started working together in the same studio when she was off mat leave. Um, and, and we just, yeah, it, yeah that, that kind of that the way things happened um, with her and I, um, when we both, when I left the portion of my business and she had a baby was kind of just like what made everything happen. Um, it kind of it kind of goes back to that theme of women leading change. Like women figure it out, and it, your personal life and your business professional life kind of integrate in a way that you just uh, m- you know collaborate more. I think than just feeling like you're by yourself. I mean, that's the whole yeah. the whole beauty of the collective. Yeah, exactly. Um, and now. Um, a friend of mine um, who's also a florist and also a, a member of the collective moved into the studio um, when she sold her retail business. So the studio is, is a shared studio again. Um, and we also took up um, a new unit in the building, which will be the part that we're going to rent out to our members. Cause a lot of oh. our, our members um, don't have their own studios or they're working out of their homes or they, um, rent the studio from us when they have large events. So we just took over a new spot where all of our um, uh, rentals are. And then also if they want, they need an extra space to design in there, they'll be working in that location. Well, let me put up the local flower collective website and we can just walk through it. I know that we talked about the, with David about the sales platform kind of being turned off right now because of the season. But I think there's a lot that we can, um, that we can see. So I would like to uh, pull that up in just a sec. I've got to find it on my computer. Here we go. And um, maybe uh, maybe you can just walk us through it. So this is the this is the homepage or the flash page. And then um, what are some of the tabs? Let's see about and members. And so you've got growers and florists. So how does that work? People can join either like pay a fee to be a seller or to be a buyer. How does that, Yeah. Um, how do you do that? So um, these are, yeah, what you're going through here is every year, depending on who our members are, they have a, a, a page or sorry, a, a profile as, as our members. So even if it's the off season, someone can go in and see our members and for instance, um, Silk and Sumac sells ribbons. You can contact her and she has ribbons. Um, all you- You've got a lot of, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. It's so, it's so, every time you go scroll through, it's like, oh my goodness, we do. We have so many members. Um, yeah, so it's just an introduction to them. Even in the off season, people can kind of figure out who grows, um, who grows flowers for the local flower collective and where they're located and what their specialty is. Um, so once you're a member, you're added to this page, um, and the floors have their own, the floor sizes, uh, about triple the size of this. Oh, let me, let me pull that tab up too. Yeah. And so it's just a way also to advertise for them. Like they have their, their, um, you know, a, a shot of what they think represents their business best and more information about what they do. Um, yeah, so everyone who is a member and yes, you do, there are membership fees, um, depending on how much you shop or, or 
what tier you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, you're, you're basically listed here for the whole year. And we try our best to promote our members throughout the season by resharing on Instagram and, um, uh, adding them to holiday guides and the newsletters, uh, and things like yeah, that. So basically oh the listing, um, on our, on our site here. That is crazy. That's a lot of people and a lot of moving parts. Um, <laughs> I don't know how you do it. I'm just, there's, I, I encourage people to go check it out because there is some good information on frequently asked question page. I can't keep toggling back and forth between us, yeah. but um, you, it talks about who can become a member of the collective. Yes. Why, why member? And so there's just, um, it's just an amazing source. And um, I, I guess what I'm most impressed of is the quantity of participants. And I guess that's just a reflection of the, like it was the right time for you to do this mm-hmm. and, and you struck a chord and saw the, saw the need uh, both for the growers and the designers. And you're kind of in the middle between them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There is. Um, yeah. There, I think that we have so many members because it, it is such a large community. Like Toronto is so, so big. Um and, and there's so many florists and there's what I learn every year and which surprises me because um, on the website there, there's a the little application. So if you want to be a member, you just fill out the application. And I go through those every year. I'm just like, oh my God, there's new growers. Every time there's a grower application, I'm just like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. And what we want to do um, and, and what is challenging as well is just to try to support as many people we can, no matter their size. Like even if they're a micro farmer, um, and they, they might not have as much as some of our larger growers, but they still want to be a member and they still want to sell through us. So finding, um, finding a way to make that work for everybody is, um, it's a challenge, but it's something I definitely want to do support no matter the size yeah. of people's. So, yeah. Well, so the OFN open food network platform, um, it sounds like something you adopted pretty early on as a, like, a, a, a selling tool and, and just talk a little bit about how that works and how do farmers use it and how do florists use it? Cause it sounds like something that if you were thinking about doing this in another market in Canada, you could tap in and use the same platform. Yeah, absolutely. So the first few years of the collective, um, people were um, sending out like Google forms to, to choose what they wanted. And it was a little, um, it, it was just challenging because it was all these little bits and pieces from all these different growers. And we didn't know. And then someone had to sort all those. That was probably exactly. you, right? And, and we didn't really know what people had ordered. Like the, the, the farmers would just drop buckets off labeled with growers and uh, labeled with the buyer's names and the buyers would go, oh, I thought I was getting X, Y, Z. And we'd kind of just be like like sorry exactly so um I think it was the second or third year we realized we needed an online shop like platform where where everything could be in one place um just just to make everything easier um and I researched a few places and um a we're only open seven months out of the year and if you're looking at things like uh, Shopify or any of those other places, you're, you're paying for the whole year and you're paying um, no matter how much you use it. Um, and as, right. as you know, as we I did, we didn't have a business plan. We were just like, we don't know how much these things cost. We don't know how much to charge people to be members. So it was all very, um, we didn't know where to start. And I forget yeah. which of our, far, which of our farmers um, 
mentioned Teresa and said Open Food Network and just say, well, she's a flower farmer and she's also part of Open Food Network and and you should be in touch with her. And um, that's kind of where everything started. So she, wow. What a blessing that you had sort of the inside track with someone who understood your needs, yes. but could, could in, you know, like almost be like translation service for oh, you. Oh, a hundred percent. Everything like Teresa was... Um, she helped everything get started. She's the troubleshooter. She's like, anytime there's, there's like a question, a technical question about anything. She's just like, Oh, let me, let me do it. It's like, we would not be where we are without Teresa for sure. Because, um, wow. Open food network was a, I just, uh, uh, their ethos. I, I love what they stand for. It, it's very parallel to what the collective is about. Um, I love the fact that you essentially pay for when you're using it. Um, not just all year, no matter what and flat fee. Um, so it was a lot easier to, to figure out how to charge members based on that as opposed to just flat fees all year round. So, um, and they're also very, um, like helpful if you have any questions or if you're like, is this possible in the system? Um, they're, they're really quick to say, oh yeah, it's on, it's, 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 um, in the works. It's, it's, we're talking to the developers now or something, or if that doesn't work, let's try this. Um, that's great. So they've been integral and it's been, so you have, you have the platform and then the farmers I'm assuming are uploading, are they doing images or just inventory? No, it's images like, um, like what David was saying, it's very similar to on the buyer's end, um, to, to shopping on any other website. It has an image, it has a price, it has who grows it, uh, plus the description. So, you know, uh, you know who you're buying from. So you can also message them directly and say, Hey, I noticed you only have two bunches left online. Is there any way I can get three more, you know, like just in case Perfect. something like that. Um, but it's, you don't have to deal with it, Jamie. It goes direct to the farm. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, yeah. Because as a member, you're kind of, you're, we use, um, you know, everyone's given everyone's email. Um, and you can also use Slack to communicate directly with the grower. Um, because yeah, if someone said, emailed me and asked if I could get two more bunches of X, Y, Z, I don't know. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just an added layer of communication that you, you don't have exactly the bandwidth. Exactly. For. And then, and then the, um, but somehow it, it, the inventory keeps updating. So if, if, if those bunches are purchased, then all of a sudden, uh, that item is not available that week. And so, you're managing expectations pretty well then too. Yeah. So the growers, um, every week the shop opens on Thursday and closes Sunday night. So um, every Thursday, the farmers go through their fields and kind of gauge roughly um, what they have left. And then they up, upload it or rather update it on, on OFN. Uh, we strongly encourage them to upload their whole catalog in the, in the like February, just so they're not doing, doing it later. Um <laughs> Such a good idea. Yeah, you don't, you don't, you don't have time to do it uh, once once spring starts. Um, yeah, so every week it gets uh, inventory gets adjusted by the grower, um, and they do their best to gauge roughly how many bunches of things they have. But there's always a little bit of, um, I think, they err on the side of caution uh, just to not yeah. short ship people. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. So so that's how that works. And then the buyers log in and shop and pick up the following week. So Jamie, you're one of the buyers too, right? I mean, how, how are you um, like putting that hat on because you've got weddings that weekend and you've got to get in an order as well? Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, the best thing for me is that 
every week the flowers come straight to my door. So I see them all and I can go, Oh my God, I can use this for my wedding in the next two weeks. And I'll email the grower and I'll just say, Hey, do you have, um, so it is, I am very lucky that way. Not everyone gets that. (laughs) Even though there's images online of what the flowers look like, as you know, when you see them in real life here, it's just, it's a different thing altogether. Um, I mean, hey, this is this is the benefit of being the founder. You you get to physically be there every week when the flowers come in, um, and I, I guess that makes me wonder also when florists come in to pick up, they're also doing additional shopping yeah. for that reason because they're seeing the groovy stuff that they all of a sudden realize they need. Yeah, exactly. We do have uh, what we call a market every week. So if the growers have extra stuff they want to drop off, or if they want to test a product, or they they you know, planted a whole field and only two bunches grew, they'll be like, I can't hear sell them at the market. So, so yeah, the, when the growers, when the buyers come in, sorry, they also do see a lot of this stuff, but we also have um, market um, market things available. So, so they can buy yeah. additional uh, products when yeah. they pick up. Well, I, I guess I want to close by asking you to riff a little bit more on what you said in the video about your values and your concern for the environment and why you care so much about local flowers. Because, um, like, I'm all in with that. But where is the mindset of a customer right now? Is that is that hap- it, you know, are local flowers really gaining strength among the clientele of retail and wholesale uh, designers? Um Obviously, in weddings, that's that's one particular niche. But your customers are also own retail stores and are doing everyday flowers too. I would imagine. Yes, your shoppers. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I think, and what I want to do more with the collective too is try to just educate the general public because I think people see flowers as. Um, even if they're imported, they just see them, oh, I'll just throw them in the organic bin and they're fine. Um, and it, while it's true, it's that they've been flown from across the world and they're covered in pesticides. So um, there is that. Um, and it's amazing how some people just think because they're flowers, uh, it doesn't really matter. It's a natural thing and you can even throw them in the garbage and it's going to be okay. Um, but I definitely our florist members are really excited about the local flowers and, and the, the unique quality and the unique varieties that we can get. And I think, um, I think when it comes to the, the purchaser, um, on the end who buy from the florist or buy from, uh, get the wedding flowers is they, they also do see how unique that product is. And I think, when you tell anybody it's local, they're, they just say, Oh my God, that's great. That's so good to hear. And what I want it to be is like, um, to be something people strive for and just ask for instead of. Right. Right. Instead of just thinking, Oh, it's a nice to have, but not a must have. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, I think, I think though, given how the collective is growing and how many more members we have every year, I I think it is because the customers do prefer and do like a shopping using local flowers, whether or not, whether it's commercially grown, um, like greenhouse grown or, or field grown, like our members do. Um, but, um, they actually are intrigued by the types of varieties that they see. And then when they know, um, that it's local, like locally grown two hours outside or even closer to Ontario or Toronto rather. Um, they're, they're happier about that. And they Mm. prefer, they prefer doing that. And a lot of our members do have retail shops. Um, and so, 
um, it just makes me happy to know that, that more yeah. local flowers are out there. Um, being It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, we could keep going, but I'm going to save some of it for the Slow Flower Summit. Yeah. So people who um, who come will get to hear uh, more of your philosophy on how to build a local collective. And I am going to ask you and the other presenters, everybody gets to design something. So yeah. maybe you can bring, maybe you'll, if we're lucky, you'll bring some goodies from the Local Flower Collective to design mm -hmm. with. So I figure you could just check a box of flowers as luggage and, and come on over to Banff. I know. And they'll, I'm They'll only be a day or two old, so they'll be great. I know. I'm very. I'm. I am really excited about that part. Like I, I um, just going to do. Hopefully, find some some stuff local in Banff as well. But yes, put some put some things on the plane and 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 ship them over. I'm really excited about that. Yeah, we're bringing. We're going to be bringing in flowers. Um, I it, the details are not all worked out yet, but there's a new cooperative group in Edmonton, and so that's only about three hours away. So, you will have Alberta grown flowers. Amazing. Maybe not Banff, <laughs> unless in Banff, in Banff there'll be like mountain wildflowers that you're not allowed to. Oh, pick, it's so. true, true, exactly. <laughs> we'll have to figure that out. Um, yeah, Jamie, really yeah, thanks so much for sharing your story and just for being yeah. part of the Slow Flowers community. You're you're really a leader. And um, I know you don't stop and think about it, but um, this this film and this collaboration with, um, you know, a larger organization like the uh, Open Food Network is a real confirmation to what you've achieved in five years. Yeah, it was it was so incredible to see it all come together because every year we've wanted to do something like that, introduce the farms and get people more into um, into the farms. And um, yeah, seeing it all come together was was great. Finally, yeah. Yeah, it's got to be so gratifying. Yeah. Well, wonderful. We're going to air this right before Christmas, so have a wonderful holiday yeah, and enjoy the downtime, the little bit of downtime that you're going to get. And uh, we'll we'll uh, share this widely along with your all your resources for both both the local flower collective and Leaf and Bloom. Amazing, awesome. Okay, thanks so much. Thanks so much. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us today. Visit slowflowerspodcast.com for episode 641 to find our show notes and watch the full video of my interview and enjoy the new film about bringing locally grown flowers to Toronto's floral customers. OFN will release four additional videos in this series and you can find out more details about that series in our show notes as well. Our next sponsor thank you goes to Longfield Gardens, which provides home gardeners with high-quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season, from tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Check out the full catalog at longfield-gardens.com. Are you coming to Banff for the 2024 Slow Flower Summit? You'll enjoy meeting Jamie Reeves in person and hear her panel presentation with Lorna and Carrie as they discuss their journeys, the decisions that led to their format, and the benefits that collective flower hubs bring to the floral communities they serve. There's still time to reserve your discounted ticket and take advantage of early bird registration. The rate is $100 off on your Slow Flower Summit registration now through December 31st. Find the link to more details in our show notes or head over to slowflowersummit.com. I can't wait to see you in Banff, Alberta, Canada, June 23rd through 25th, 2024.
And thank you to Rooted Farmers. Rooted Farmers works exclusively with local growers to put the highest quality specialty cut flowers in floral customers' hands. When you partner with Rooted Farmers, you are investing in your community and you can expect a commitment to excellence in return. Learn more at rootedfarmers.com. I love all this floral goodness, and I am so happy you joined me today. The Slow Flowers Podcast is a member-supported endeavor, downloaded more than one million times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of our domestic cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. If you're new to our weekly show or our long-running podcast, check out all of our resources at slowflowersociety.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of The Slow Flowers Show and The Slow Flowers Podcast. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more slow flowers on the table, one stem, one vase at a time. Thanks so much for joining us today, and I'll see you next week. Thank you.